All right. Well, if, you, uh, if you're just joining us, this is our second uh, installment or series, whatever you want to call it, on uh, At the Movies. Um, and as we explained last week, the reason we do this is that Jesus used everyday things. Uh, yeah, go ahead and let's, let's get our kids out of here. You're not going to want to see this stuff this morning. The, Jesus used things that people were uh, focused on, uh, whether it be wheat fields or trees or look at this or look at that. And um, depending on how you're raised and how strict all that was, I know there's been a time where everybody uh, uh, thought that you know, maybe if you're a church person, you don't go to the movies, you don't do this, you don't do that. And yet the rest of the world is, has embraced this fully. And we live in a digital world. And... Uh, while I believe there needs to be a great deal of caution about what we uh, subject ourselves to, what we listen to, what we see, I also believe that we should be people that speak to some of the issues that people are seeing and watching and hearing, and it gives us a way to bridge a gap in our communities where we talk to somebody that doesn't know the Bible, but they did see that last movie, and you could say, hey, did you ever think about the principles behind and most of the time, people aren't aware that there's principles. They just see moving images on the screen, and they think, oh, that was entertaining. But we need to be able to break down some things and be able to understand that those things really are affecting us, both positively and negatively, of the message behind it, even from the music and the lyrics, the scenery. All that stuff can affect how we feel. And, and this morning, as we talk about uh, our, the, the Disney movie Little Mermaid, um, which can, all my kids loved it and I love the shows, and I love all those Disney stuff. It's not as good as Sleeping Beauty, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, good, uh, it's a good movie. Um, but it's amazing to see, as Melissa shared, what the, the contradiction is going on in this girl's life. And, um, and I want to suggest to you that we live in a world right now that's dealing with this a lot, and that is this, this national mode of discontentment. Uh, we're not content with what we get, and then when we get, we want something more, and then we wish that we had something less, or we wish we'd never got that thing at all. And, and no matter what happens, somebody on one side or the other is discontent, and it is a human problem. It's an issue, especially in the West where we have so much, and we are so blessed, and, and there's just abundance all over the place that it's very easy, which is counterintuitive, to find ourselves discontent. Discontent with, you know, this, this phone's a year old. This car is two years old. This marriage is five years old. This job is a couple months old. I'm just, my faith is, you know. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves giving way to discontentment that draws us and draws us and pushes us and prods us, and it will end up in places that we really don't want to find ourselves, but we don't know that until we get there. And we're going to see some examples of this, uh, not only in the Scripture, but as we, as we watch the movie clip here in just a minute. And so I just want to put this out there. I want to contrast two, two parts of Scripture, one from Psalms and one from Proverbs this morning to get us started. And here's what the psalmist wrote. 
Psalm 34.10 says, Even strong, strong young lions sometimes go hungry. So let's stop right there for just a minute. So he's emphasizing that these, there's nothing wrong with them. They're capable. They're full of energy, full of strength. But guess what? Sometimes they don't get what they're after. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Do you see what he's saying? That you may think, hey, I don't know what's happening. Why? If we'll trust God, then we won't have lack. Now, notice what he says. He doesn't say you'll have everything that you want. But he said you will not lack any good thing. Which brings up this really big question. If you don't have in your life what you think you're looking for, maybe God doesn't think you need it. Now that's the hard part because I want it. But those of you that have children, think about what your children want that sometimes isn't good for them. Either not at the time or just altogether, it's not good for them. And they don't understand it. They can't conceive of the fact that they'll be able to live without whatever they're looking for or whatever they need to have. And they're not using any logic. It's all pure emotion. And unfortunately, by the time you're 40, 50, 60, it doesn't change that much unless you learn the art of being able to be content. Because he says this, I won't withhold anything good from you. But there are some things that I'm not going to give to you because it's not good for you. And it might be good for another person, but it's not good for you. And so it's not necessarily the thing that is bad, but maybe it's not the right thing for you. I remember it was, uh, man, five years ago now, we had an interesting time in our church. There was some stuff going on, and... uh, a man started to come that was a self-pronounced prophet that claimed that he heard from God all the time. And, and I'm somebody that I really struggle with those people, especially when I don't see it line up with their life. And he was angry. And so he's, you can judge me later, but I put those people in the angry self-prophet box because those are the type of people that everything's always wrong with the church and I'm here to poke at the people and it's your fault and it's your fault and it's your fault and, and you better, and it's all about fear and punishment and, and you know, I find that for me, I've been graced into more things than I've ever been fearful into things because God's grace has led me quite well to where I'm at today. But the fear of what other people may say rarely leads us to drawing closer to God. And it's not that we can't have times where God says, hey, you better put a stop to this. I I fully believe that that can happen. But what was interesting is this man claimed to pray and hear from God a lot, and one day he comes in to me, and he he brings me something that I thought was kind of funny. uh, At at one time, it would have been a a real treat. He brings me a a large uh, jelly-filled donut with the glaze on the top. You know the ones I'm talking about? A nice golden brown with the sugary glaze and the filling that's about 4,000 calories per donut, right? And he says, hey, I, I brought this for you because God told me that you need this. And this was interesting because I looked right at him because I'm just me. And I said, I, I highly doubt that because I'm diabetic. And so, awkward pause. 
Now, it might have been something that I wanted, but is that something I need? Would that be a good thing for me? And it probably would have been a great thing for him. He, he probably could have used some sweetening up. But when it comes to discontentment, we have to be very careful because we have to be able to trust that if God wanted us to have what we think we want, if it would be good for us, then we have to trust that he would not withhold it from us. Because if so, then it puts him into a different category than being a good father. Now he's more capricious. Now it's about, oh, how am I feeling? But God isn't that way. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's always wanting what's best for us. And yet there's times where we want more than we need. And yet the list goes on and on of what we feel like we need. And so it's not about not having dreams and hopes, and it's not about money or, or even acquiring possessions, but we better be very careful in how much power we give that because of the cost of what that means. Now, here's another part that I think is pretty interesting. As, as the, a, a wise man wrote uh, Proverbs, he's trying to explain the world to his sons. And here's a guy that's gone out and, and really experienced almost everything the world had to offer, and this is what he says, which I think is pretty funny. The leech has two suckers (laughs) that cry out, more, more. And there are three things that are not ever satisfied. In fact, no, there's four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the thirsty desert, and the blazing fire. Now think about that proverb for just a minute. Would that describe an area of your life where you say, more, more? More, more, there's never enough. I always need more, more. Now, if that's God and and His ways, then that's an awesome thing to crave. But as human beings, just know this morning that we struggle with the issue, whatever your issue may be. Uh, We even have phrases for this now. Has anybody ever heard the phrase retail therapy? That means I'm in a slump, I'm in a grump, I'm in a whatever, and I'm going to buy something. And that buying something makes me feel good until it doesn't. And then I got to buy something. And then I got to buy something. And maybe it's food. Or maybe it's your hobby. Or maybe it's binge watching. Or maybe it's, I don't know what it may be. But the question is, what is it that you keep craving that truly isn't helping you? It's never going to satisfy the void. Because I believe that the void is there to be filled with God. And that when we fill that void with God, then we find peace. And then we can find contentment. But until we fill that void, whatever your void may be, as long as we keep filling it with the more and more, it will never be enough. And so I just want you to understand that there were two sides to this where where the psalmist says, hey, there are times where things don't go as planned, but guess what? We have a God that will provide for our needs, and, and we will lack no good thing. But we have to trust Him in that. The question is, where do you put your trust in that? Because we can fill our lives with all kinds of stuff and still be very, very empty. And as a pastor, I don't want you to be empty. You see, unfortunately, in the American churches, 
a, a prosperity gospel crept in, and the prosperity that Christ wants us to have is spiritual prosperity. He wants our relationships and our life and our prayer and our, our miracles and all of the good spiritual things. He wants us to be ultra prosperous in that, but it was never about more stuff and bigger stuff and better stuff. And, and if you've got bigger, better stuff, great. He, he's, he's not saying that everybody should be poor, that anybody should be poor, but what he is saying is you better watch out what you're asking for and what you're filling the needs with, pretty soon the needs start saying more, more, more. Now I realize this even about myself is that uh, for me money is, is just a tool. Uh, I, I don't try to mass it up or bring it in, but there's other areas of my life where I'm thinking, okay, you know, how much do I need? And I started a process just a few years ago of you know, if I'm going to get something new, whether it's shoes or a shirt or something, then I'm going to give the equivalent amount away so that I don't just keep hoarding it up and hoarding it up and hoarding it up, and pretty soon, you know what? We need a bigger house because I need a walk-in closet. Well, I'm going to spend money for a bigger closet, or, I mean, it really hit me. How, how many shirts can you wear at once? How many are you going to wear that week? And then the reality is, at least for me, Pretty soon, you've got your favorite stuff that you wear the most anyway. And it's not about, again, it's not about the dress code. And I don't know what your thing is. Maybe it's tools. Maybe it's knickknacks. Maybe it's shoes. Maybe it's collectibles. Maybe, maybe it's money. I don't know. Maybe it's boyfriends and girlfriends. I don't know. <laughs> but we have to very, very well position ourselves so that we put God in control of what comes into our life and what goes out of our life. And then we can find true happiness. Because until then, there will always be that craving of more, more, more. And notice what he said there. They will never be satisfied, right? Think about a fire. You keep throwing on wood. What's it going to keep asking for? More, more. And it'll keep going. The more you keep adding, the more it'll keep going. And if we're not careful, we create a, a fire in our lives that will never be satisfied. So I'm going to cue the video up here for you, and, and here's, if you've never seen this stuff, if you're not a video file or any of that. So uh, obviously, imaginary movie of a mermaid living in a mermaid kingdom, and, and I just want you to get this. So she's a princess in the mer kingdom, okay? She's got more than most people have to begin with, but it's not enough. And she finds herself at odds with her father, who's trying to protect her and trying to provide a good life for her, but as many teenagers, we've all been there, find parents don't really know anything. Uh, they're so stuck in their ways, and that'll never happen to me, and you just don't understand. And she finds herself in this quandary of, even though she's got all this stuff, she's still not content. So the daughter Ariel finds herself in her little collection place. And she begins to sing this song of all the stuff that she has, of gizmos and gadgets and all this stuff. And this whole place is full of all these treasures, of all these trinkets, of all this stuff. And it's all human stuff that from ships that have crashed and forks and knives and corkscrews and all these things. And, and she just begins this, this song about everything that she's got, but it's not enough. And she wants to be, quote, where the people are how she wants to walk 
how she wants to lay in the sun, how she wishes that she had feet, how she wishes she could run, how she wishes she could just be up there and, and you know, and find out what fire is, why does it burn, and walk down the street. And, and she keeps using that phrase, I, I just want to be where the people are. I wish I was part of that world. I wish I was part of that world. Church, if we're not careful, we'll begin to be part of that world. And you don't want to be part of that world. We are going to be citizens of an incredibly different world. He is trying to prepare us now to be citizens of some place that's not about greed and materialism and want, 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 take, take, take. It's about something completely different than that. And so I hope that even though I, I won't torture you by trying to go through the lyrics or even attempt to sing that song, <laughs> you don't want to be part of that world. You don't need to be where those people are. You need to be in the hands of God. And if we can trust Him, if we can trust Him, then He will make sure that we have all that we need. Now I want you to use your imagination for this a little bit as, as we go forward. Think about something in your life right now that you wish or you've been wishing that you had. Okay, close your eyes with me. Here you go. Focus on that thing. What is that thing? And then think, would you actually be able to live if you didn't get it? Now, maybe you think, nope, I couldn't live without it. Now, here's my question. If you grew up in another country to an extremely poor, poor, poor family, would it be that important? Got it? All right. Now think about if you were born with nothing into a family with nothing, what do you think you would hope for? Food? Clean water? Growing up, maybe you've never even seen somebody that most people are dying. You think of Tragedies in Africa where a population is decimated by AIDS and civil war and incredible violence and people don't even make it to 50. Or if you're brave enough, you go with us on one of our mission trips and you go visit an orphanage in Guatemala and you find out, wow, I have quite a lot. <laughs> and not here to guilt anybody this morning, but to put it in perspective that this prosperity process that we put ourselves through that will continue to drive us, and it, it's designed to make us discontent. The commercials are designed to show you what you don't have yet so that you'll buy what you don't have when you already have more than what most of the world already has. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but think about this, how many of you upgraded your phone to a phone but your last phone still worked? just because it was the new iPhone. Now here's my question. You were using the other one just fine, and especially in the case of the iPhones, this one probably, you got something that you may not even be able to notice. Ooh, retina display.
And I don't know how many of you sit and stare at that display. Wow, look at the retina display. Or the screen was a little bit bigger or a little bit clearer or all these fancy things that really don't change the true nature of the phone. Oh, the screen wraps all the way to the sides. I mean, come on. Are you actually sitting at your table and looking sideways at your phone? I don't. <laughs> Faster Wi-Fi speeds. 4K, Ultra, HKD, HDMI, plug in which you watch your TVs. Now, just to put it in perspective, and everybody older than me, you're going to start smiling. There was a time when there was no flat screen TVs. It was a big cabinet with rabbit ears. And if you were the youngest in the family, you were the remote control. <laughs> Which wasn't that bad because there's only four stations. Right? And you adjust them. And then pretty soon that went away. And then there was projection TVs. Right? And then they became these massive monstrous things. And on and on, whichever, I mean, I was asking Melissa the other day, when we take driving tests now, do we get to use our backup assist, parallel park assist? I wonder if they let you do that now. I mean, you think about that. And most of the cars today, man, I would love to take my driver's test in these cars because they're no bigger than this platform. The one I took in. It's a 1980 Chevy Caprice with three foot of hood and three foot of trunk, right? Massive, monstrous things. And today, we, oh man, there's no parking space. I mean, think about these things. And they're just getting more and more and more and more and more. And I'm thankful for, for life-saving technology, but some of the new technology is actually life-sucking. It's taking it out of us. It's making us desire more and more and more. I want to share a true story with you before we move into some more scripture. In the early 80s, a company uh, was having problems with its production line in America. And so they did the product and research and found out that they could uh, build a factory and have employees that would function at a much higher level and much cheaper level if they moved it to South America. So they moved it to South America, build this thing up, get this thing going. They start the whole process. The, the uh, indigenous people are right there. They're ready for work. They, the, the, the hopes and dreams of American wages is on their mind. They come and they knock it out. And the first month was incredible. Their, the prices just went through the roof and their overhead was down lower than it ever been. And all of a sudden, an emergency meeting was called. And the boss had to fly down. What's the problem? We don't have any workers. Well, what happened? <laughs> we, well, all those people in one month that made more money than they'd ever made. 
And so they're like, how do we get them back? And they threaten to bring them back. And they try to cajole them back and pull them back and push them back. And, and then they just, they thought, oh my gosh, we're going to waste this whole thing if we're not careful. And one smart guy figured out, how are we going to get these guys back? He comes and pitches the idea to the boss. I know how we get them back. It's like, what's that? We've tried everything. Catalogs. We're going to send every employee a catalog filled with things that they've never had before. And within a few weeks, the company was up and running because he showed them what they'd never had, and now they had the money to buy it. It's the same with you and me. We don't get the catalogs anymore. They've gone their way, but now we have commercials helping us be discontent, telling us that you can't keep using that old thing. You're you're not going to be happy with that. See, we don't want to be part of a world that continues to drive us. And here's the premise that I want you to get. And it sounds like it's anti-American, but it's not at all. You can't have it all, but you can have what matters. Okay? You can't have it all, but you can have what matters. Because what really matters at the end of the day is usually things that we cannot buy, things that we cannot acquire. And you can't have it all. The world wants to tell you, you can have it all. Well, you can't have it all. But you can have what matters. Let's look at what Philippians says. So this is Paul talking to the church. And here's what he says. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. Look at this. For I have learned how to be content in, with whatever I have. Okay? I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Now, this is important. If you don't know Paul, you need to understand that this is a guy that, that at one point in his life wasn't content because he was chasing power. He was chasing being the top of the top and was trying to prove it by chasing down Christians and trying to haul them back and torturing people. And, and so he was definitely on an uphill climb with this ladder. And, and I know that this can be uncomfortable this morning because we're, we're people that like stuff. And at the risk of, of heresy, for those of you that are Disney lovers, the fact that this place exists shows the abundance and ultra-prosperity of Americans. And I'm not against Disney at all. It's, it's an enterprise, okay? But the fact that it even exists, that we have so much excess income to go to this place, shows how blessed we are. Regardless of what they're doing and movies they're producing, it's not about that. It's just the but yet many of us think... That's just part of life. <laughs> Here's what he says. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. However it goes. I'm, I'm cool with it. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it be with a full stomach or an empty stomach. With plenty or with little. Look at that now. Isn't that a a very peaceful place to live that no matter what comes your way, you just realize God's in the midst of this and, and guess what? 
I don't know about you, but I know my life has not been, there's been gain and loss, and gain and loss, and sometimes loss, 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 and then just a little bit of gain, and, and yet here we are. But Paul found this place that he realized, if I'm, gonna, if I'm really going to follow God and if I'm really going to trust God, then I have to learn that he is with me in every situation. That's how he wraps this up. That's what we've got to understand. Look at verse 13. I can do everything through Christ, not stuff, not position, not power, not authority. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength to go through it. And that's what the contentment he's looking for. Not for you to just sell everything and have a big yard sale and be poor. He's not asking for that at all. In fact, he's saying, great, if God blesses you, you should be blessed. But you've got to understand where the blessing comes from and be content to have Christ. And if he's at the middle of it, then you're going to be okay. We have to remember what actually gave us life. And it's not stuff, but it's Christ. And, and material things may come and go, but Christ remains. And if our faith is based on what we have or don't have, we're going to find ourselves in a very tricky place. Last scripture, and we'll wrap this up. This is from Timothy, and Paul is writing to a young young man that he's raised up and, and it's interesting what he says and I hope that you you see the power of this this morning but he says true godliness with contentment those things added together is in itself great wealth what did Paul say great wealth was godliness mixed with contentment that God wherever I'm at whatever you're doing however it comes whatever may go whatever may be, fall into my life I'm going to be okay with that because I realize that you said I won't lack anything. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothes, let's be content. Now the big question is, how much is enough? And we heard from the first verse, if we're not careful, it's never enough. we have enough food and clothes let us be content but people who long to be rich they fall into temptation and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction and it's not just being rich but it could be whatever that that void is that you're trying to fill and it's a it's a sex life it's a drive it's an addiction it's a this and I'm telling you if you can't fill that void with Christ you will find yourself in horrible situation that you never thought you'd find yourself in and you'll fall into temptation and be trapped. Look at this, by foolish and harmful desires. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice that money isn't evil, but that love for it. And, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. Look at this. They begin to chase something that can never sustain. They begin to chase something that doesn't even register in eternity. They begin to chase something that can't fulfill their life. It may give them extra opportunities or resources, but at the end of the day, you can't take the money with you. At the end of the day, you're going to stand before Christ. And it's not going to matter. He's not going to say, show me your pocketbook, not show me your banking account. He's not going to say any of that. 
How big was your house? None of those are going to be the questions. They pierced themselves. Notice they're doing it to themselves. Verse 11, but you, Timothy, you, Jim, you, Susan, you, Pete, you, you fill in your name, but you, you're a man of God, you're a woman of God, run from these things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love and perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tight to the eternal life. Look at that. What should we be craving? A tight hold on eternal life. <laughs> be steadfast. Be immovable, he would say. That's what God has called you to, which you have declared well before many witnesses. There's a fight to be had, and it's not for more stuff, and it's not for a better spot. And again, if God is, is helping you into a position, be thankful. That's awesome. But realize that all of that can go away. And if we're not careful, we begin to depend on that instead of God. If your job went away tomorrow, you'd still have God. But would you give up your eternity for that immediate thing? What you don't see, because we couldn't see the clip, is, is what Moses said. So the young mermaid comes, and she bargains with an evil character for her voice, her most gifted thing she's received. But she wants something so badly, she says, fine, I'll give you my voice. Just make me human. And the movie ends well. She she gets the guy, she gets her voice back, all of that. But if you really watch that movie again, look at the price other people paid for her decision. The world is watching how we live, how we spend, how we play, how we invest, what faith we have, what we put importance on. We need to be people that find a place of contentment. If we're, if we're blessed where we're at, be thankful. And don't strive and strive and strive to get ahead. In the bulletin this morning, there's a little yellow paper for you. This is your homework. And it's really just four ways to help battle the growing problem of materialism. How do we battle that discontentment? How do we battle the growing need to want more stuff that fills the void? Now this last part, and, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of you as a church. I'm just talking about what has changed in the world. But this is deadly serious, so I hope you get this last part. I believe the reason we're not seeing the move of God that's capable is we don't have time anymore. We don't have focus anymore. We don't have the time to take, to get on our knees, actually on our knees and pray. We don't have the time to actually search the scriptures to see the character of God and the power that he's poured into our lives. We don't have the guts to come forward to get prayed for in our problems because we're concerned what somebody may think. 
we're afraid to show our faith because we're not perfect people and somebody may say something, do something. And I'm here to tell you that there is a cost for following Christ, but the cost is worth it. And if we really want to see the hand of God on our church and on your life, it takes more than just showing up once in a while, whenever you've got time. It takes more than just a casual prayer at meal or turning to K-Love so that people know that you're a Christian. That's the stuff we should be discontent with, that the world is having a much bigger effect on us than we're having on them. But it's not going to start with them. It's going to start with us. So I'm going to pray for a holy discontentment over you this morning. I know that sounds bad, but it's true. (laughs) That we'll be discontent with anything short than the full power of God in our life. That we'll be discontent without the fullness of praise in our life. That we'll be discontent without a powerful prayer life. That we'll be discontent without finding a place to help our fellow man and, and show the world the light of Jesus Christ. That's what we should be discontent with. And the rest of this stuff comes and goes. Because let's be honest, many of us, we've got stuff in those closets we're never going to fit into again. There's stuff in our garages that has been boxed up for years that we think is so valued and treasured and, and it's nothing. And yet you know, you know what's the most valuable to you. And it's probably not boxed up someplace. <laughs> and it's probably not hanging in the closet or sitting in the garage. So if you'd stand with me this morning, I, I want us to find a place where we put God back in that place where He is what we crave and what we desire and that He is what we're discontent about. God, I, I know that there's more. There's got to be more. And then we can find satisfaction. So would you dare to pray with me this morning, Father? I pray for every man right now. God, it's good that they've got hobbies and jobs and and all the things that can distract them and dissuade them. But God, I pray right now for a hunger deep in them for more of you that they will not be satisfied with anything that this world has to offer until they've got more of you. God, that they'll be prayers and prayer warriors and praisers. And God, they'll be leaders and they'll be people that lead in their community and lead in our church and that they lead in their relationships and they lead their wives and their children and their sons and their daughters and God, their co-workers, that God, they would be all that you called them to be. And we wouldn't put up with just more stuff, but we need more of you. And Lord, I pray for all of our ladies this morning, God, that you would help them as well. God, have a deep hunger for you. Many times they have a a more intuitive desire for you than we as men do. But God, I pray that they would not cater to the fact that it's about how their house is decored or or how their fashion is or or what their children are wearing or what this happens or this happens or or what's being posted or not posted. But God, that they would get a a spiritual hunger, just a, a deep hunger for you and for your things, God. A hunger to be women of faith, a hunger to be women of grace, a a hunger to be men and women of of submitted people, submitted to your plan, submitted to your your timing, submitted to the fact that you're who brings the good things, Lord. God, like the song says, (laughs) I don't want to be in that kind of world. I want to be in the world 
that makes you happy, Lord. I want to be where the people are that you're proud of, that they are people of honor, people in the hall of faith like Abraham. So, Lord, I pray over our church right now. Would you make us discontent with the trappings of this world and help us to have a deep spiritual hunger for prayer and worship and God's Word, serving mankind and loving those around us, God. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.